gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. I'm Billy Embody, publisher of PonyStampede.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a lot of time today to answer our subscriber questions submitted to the podcast. We're going to do a little bit of that. We're also going to really kind of uh, touch on and compliment some of the tidbits we've been dropping on uh, running back and tight end recruiting, and uh, we'll also uh, just kind of wrap things up as UConn officially leaves for the Big East. Um, On the podcast today, we're going to start out with really uh, the football side of things, obviously, um, and and talk a little bit about uh, the 2020 recruiting class and where it stands. Nine commitments now for the staff. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about Allen quarterback Raylan Sharp, who the staff got committed. Uh, I believe it was uh, Tuesday now that uh, they landed his commitment, got him on board. And look, this is a prospect that SMU was high on as, uh, you know, really as soon as they saw him in the in camp, they worked him, worked him out. He ran a 4440 and a 414 shuttle. Uh, he slipped while running that shuttle. So think about just kind of how fast, how elite that time would be if he was if he was on point in terms of his footing uh, with it. But look, uh, a 5'7", 5'8", 150-pound athlete that runs that type of uh, runs that type of test times and his track times are very impressive as well. He was a regional qualifier in the hurdles uh, this past year at Allen. So somebody that at certainly has speed. Now he's set to take over uh, the Allen court starting quarterback job after Grant Tisdale, who signed with Ole Miss, graduated this past year. So somebody that just really is, is kind of on the rise in terms of where things are going for him. I don't necessarily know if he's going to end up being a uh, somebody that SMU is going to have to really, um, I think, fight off some of the big guys that could come in late uh, to hang on to. But somebody that they feel like, especially after watching him in the spring as well, can throw the ball well enough to to get his shot on um, uh, to get his shot on on um, at quarterback at the college level. And then uh, if it doesn't work out, he's got all sorts of speed and skill to to be able to have the ball in his hands as a slot guy, as a running back, as as a uh, punt returner, kick returner, things like that. Um, so really, I mean, just I like the pickup. Uh, Chris Hummer, our national uh, college football writer, wrote a story about analytics and track times and how that trend is affecting college football. And it's something that I've been talking about for a while now, um, ever really since – uh, I talked with our our friends over at Tracking Football at um, the the college coaches convention or the the football coaches convention in San Antonio this January, and they were just showing me all sorts of numbers that really just kind of back up when guys bust or not, or um, you know, it, 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 these track numbers can tell a lot in terms of the story or or their athletic their overall athleticism can tell a lot of the story as to why they're successful or why they're not successful at the college level. And I point to the Jordan Wyatt one who had ridiculous track testing numbers and, and all of those things coming out of high school, but was just super under-recruited, didn't have incredible film, um, and then comes to SMU and becomes an all-conference cornerback. Now, that was certainly before his ACL injury kind of slowed him down a little bit, but he was somebody that you know, was on a, a, a big rise and that and a large part of that was because of the that athleticism that really I mean was backed up by 
you know, that, that, that algorithm that tracking football has that, that Chris referenced in his story. SMU uses it. Um, Raylan Sharp is off the charts on that. I mean, Marcus Bryant, who they, they landed. I'll, I'll kind of dig around with our guys over there and kind of see where things stand with a lot of those um, uh, SMU commits as far as tracking football goes. It, I think you'll start to see us at 24-7 Sports even you know, work with them a little bit more than, than we kind of even referenced in that story. Um, and just, you know, it's a win-win for us. They get their name out there a little bit more and we get to, you know, mooch off their data a little bit. So I really like the pickup of Raylan Sharp just overall. Uh, like I said, that brings SMU to nine commitments on the, on the class. Um, and if you listen to uh, last week's uh, or, uh, or the podcast earlier this week, um, certainly one that, um, you know, one more coming, I think is, is probably the, uh, the, the thing that you can probably bet on with Jay Bell, um, you know, looking like somebody that, that could end up in this class at some point. Now, um, moving on to the overall outlook on the 2020 class, uh, Bytor on our board asked last year, you said the 2020 class is the big litmus test for Sonny. And it had to be knocked out of the park. While we hope all of our commits could have breakout senior seasons, the first nine commits don't look like out of the park commits. Should we go for 20 high school kids and finish up with some nice transfers? Um, well, I, I don't really agree with that. Um, this class right now is currently rated as an average recruit higher than last year's class. Um, so that, that's a start right there, and that's on the 24-7 Sports composite. 24-7 Sports actually ranks this class even higher, um, it, both in rankings and, and, and average recruit ranking, too. But if you look at this class, I mean, one, um, look, I mean, the, the, the bottom two uh, guys in the class in terms of Mason Mastroff and Branson Hickman, um, not rated that highly uh, for the most part, but 24-7 Sports gave... Uh, Mastroff a big bump after looking at his uh, junior year and, and getting those camp testing numbers. So, look, I mean, I I think there are certain recruits in the class that you can say, okay, all right, doesn't have any offers or, or major offers and things like that. But look, I mean, one, uh, SMU beat out. I mean, the, let's take the bottom ranked recruit, for example, Branson Hickman. He's somebody that, and I've beaten this to death on our board for our subscribers, SMU went out there. And they had other guys ahead of him on the uh, offensive line board as far as interior players. Guys like Wesley and Dago, uh, guys like Addison Penn and things like that. And they go out there and they watch Branson Hickman and he blows them away. And he shoots up to the top of their board. And Hickman has plenty of FBS offers. Um, he also has a Memphis offer. He was set to visit Memphis the next week and, and ends up just sticking uh, sticking around and saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to SMU. So I don't know, like, what you – I believe every single recruit except Raylan Sharp and Mason Mastrop, SMU has beat out either Houston or Memphis for. So you can start there. So the cream of the crop in the, in the conference, you can start there. Um, guys like uh, Carl Taylor, Ben Sparks, and Aaron Smith, your top three recruits in the class, all had Power 5 offers and not just Kansas. Um Marcus Smith, somebody that they've loved from the get-go, prioritized, 
again, was supposed to visit Houston Tulsa later in the summer. They get him to commit. Raylan Sharp had an Arizona offer. Marcus Bryant, I, we can't see the upside in him. I can't really help you, but he's exactly how you draw up offensive tackles these days and, and what the trends are telling everybody as far as offensive tackles um, and that in terms of legit NFL prospects. And again, somebody that they wanted to get on board, like Marcus Bryant was always going to probably end up in this class uh, because they loved his tape, they loved his film, and uh, they just needed to get the offensive line situation squared away with and needed to get those other guys committed before they offered. And they had him in a camp, and he tested really well, and they offered, and it's no surprise that he committed. I don't I don't really know what more you want. I mean, Ben, uh, ben Sparks... Um, or Aaron Smith is rated on 24-7 sports higher than Danielson EK. So um, I don't know what you're looking for as, for, as far as out-of-the-park commits. Um, you beat out all of your, you know, your top conference competition for pretty much all of them. Um, and again, Mastroff, who's the second lowest rated on the 24-7 sports composite as far as SMU commits, is an elite athlete. So I don't really know um, what you're looking for. I get it. I get that there's not a Donald Clay in there with Arizona State and, and um, Boston College and this and that and all these offers. But a lot of the guys that have those offers have committed elsewhere, which is valid, uh, especially at the running back position. We've seen that. Um, wide receiver, we haven't seen really any of their top targets come off the board. Drake Dabney, who's a tight end target for them, came off the board, committed to Arizona. Kevin Sumlin's doing impressive work in Texas this cycle. We've seen that with Robert Wooten. Um, but look, I mean, that. other than that, I mean, their defensive tackle targets aren't coming off the board. Sawyer Gorman-Welch is right there for him. Loic Fungi is right there for him. Jay Wilkerson is right there for him. If they can start landing guys like that who haven't made decisions yet, I think the narrative changes, even though I don't understand um, why – this class doesn't look like it's out of the park considering it's rated higher than last year's class where it stands right now. So we'll see how they finish out. But um, right now, I mean, it's a good start to the 2020 class. It's built in the trenches, which is where they really need to kill it in terms of recruiting, in terms of evaluations. Uh, and they've done that so far. So uh, the 2020 class, I really feel like is in a good spot. Um, they are taking the patient approach uh, right now. Uh, and we'll kind of see where things stand, uh, you know, as they kind of get into more, you know, uh, guys taking official visits in the fall and, and around December. I mean, as we saw, and I said this to somebody a couple days ago, where things stand in June just doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because you can have the number one recruiting class in the conference all the way until a couple days before the early signing period. And then you lose Brandon Crosley and Jonathan McGill and you drop down to three or four. You end up with Chase Cromartie, who could be a good player. We'll have to see. And then you end up taking, you know, Chance, uh, Ch um, Sam Westfall as well as a junior college corner. And then you finish strong with Daniel Sanike and everybody's celebrating. So, I, I mean, it just, we'll see how it ends up. But, I mean, in reality, it just, um, it, it just doesn't really matter right now. I mean, it really doesn't. Um, because, I mean, the, you know, these guys seem solid. They seem like guys that waited and, Tried to see where they could go, where they, you know, could not. But um, it was, uh, it's in a good spot right now. As far as if it can end up as one of the top classes in the AAC, I think with the amount of players they're looking to sign, certainly could end up that that way. Um, 
and and they are looking to sign I would say 23 to 25 that's kind of been the message to me um I know they do want to always leave a spot or two for transfers so that's why I kind of err on the the number 23 probably being um where things are probably the best um best number for them at this point but I think if you look at what uh, the staff has shown is that they're not going to reach on on anyone. And and we saw that kind of last cycle at the end. They went all in on Daniel Sadike. They never pressed for some of the other guys they brought in on those late official visits. And that was kind of the, the deal. And, and um, you know, now they've got an offensive line class that they believe is, is kind of a building block for the future and can really change um, – the attitude and, and just the the um, the overall future of that offensive line because it's just been something where they had to piece it together uh, with transfers and, and things like that to, to shore it up. And so um, I, I expect the same for some of the other positions. I think, you know, when you look at uh, wide receiver, they're in a good spot. They, they can be selective based on the class they signed last cycle. Uh, when you look at um, – corner they're gonna have to take guys that can be difference makers and if they don't get them out of the high school ranks they might have to go to junior college uh and find them like they they have in guys like sam westfall i mean they they think they got a real player in sam westfall and um so that that's just kind of the way that they're going about it so i could see it not ending up as probably the highest average recruit rated class in the conference but i could see it being the top class in the conference just based on numbers and and um you know the amount of players that they are looking to sign um as far as uh next steps for recruiting and kind of where things stand uh we'll talk about that because some targets have come off the board i'll update kind of where things stand in my mind in terms of where they can go from here and we'll do that after this quick break okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. What's next? Well, we're about to cover that for SMU football recruiting in the 2020 class. I think when you look at, obviously, what they've addressed for the offensive line, 
they're done there. Defensive end, I think it's safe to say they're done there as well. And now, in terms of positions of need, here are my really top three. Running back, position of need. Corner, position of need. And then defensive tackle, position of need. Um, and you can argue tight end as well, but I just think in, in right now where they where they stand with things. I mean, tight end is a huge position of need. So you can say four. They've got two senior tight ends in, in Ryan Becker and and, um, and Corey Rao. Um, and then Ben Reddick down the line. Um, or sorry, Rao's a, a redshirt junior, but you don't know if he's you know going to be back after he graduates, I guess. Um, I'm kind of breaking things down. And, I, and I'm as you got, by the time this podcast will be an hour old, we'll also have a ton of tidbits up on running back and tight end recruiting, kind of where things stand. So I don't want to give too much away, but look, Brandon Thomas, the North Little Rock, Arkansas, running back comes off the board, goes to Memphis. He's got an Arkansas offer. SMU had him on, on campus for an official visit. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how things play out there because um, one, um, Arkansas did offer. They just didn't get him on campus uh, before the, the dead period. So that's kind of uh, an issue there, I guess, looking forward for, for Memphis, you know, you're going to have Arkansas probably taking a very strong look at him. Um, and then from there, um, it's really kind of a, a group of running backs that for the most part, SMU, um, I would say just, just one, just didn't have good footing. You look at Manor, Texas, uh, running back Taj Brooks committed to Texas Tech, Dominic Richardson out of Oklahoma City committed to TCU. JV on Sunday, clearly, and I and I kind of mentioned this on the board, there was two ways it could go there with his family situation. You can either stay relatively close and have somebody, you know, uh, like Chris Brassfield at, at SMU and, you know, be in a good academic situation there, or you can go really far away. Um, and, and Washington did a really good job recruiting him, so they get him on board. Uh, Clarence Dalton is somebody somebody brought up on the board. Uh, he commits to Nevada. SMU didn't really press. They never even vis- visited in the spring to check him back out. So you can kind of see where they were on him. Um, and now it just turns to kind of this group of running backs like Jabray Young out of Melissa, uh, Isaac Johnson out of Richmond Foster, who they had on campus. They've had both on campus in June. Uh, Stacy Sneed out of Mansfield Timberview is on the board. He's been in constant communication with SMU. Um, and then I've got a text out to Sevion Morrison out of, out of uh, Edison in, in Tulsa to see where he's at. He's he's probably the, the top available running back on the board. The crystal ball's all over the place for him right now. Um, somebody that, um, you know, has been, you know, crystal ball to Missouri this month, um, whereas a lot of people ha- don't have as good of a read on kind of where things stand with him. I, I think Missouri right now is in a good spot in Nebraska too uh, for him. So he would be kind of your stretch candidate for SMU right now at running back. Um, as far as defensive tackle, Sawyer Gorman-Welch is really the top guy on that board for them. I do think as far as um, as as far as uh, other targets at defensive tackle, I think they're going to have to go junior college. You've got, um, I think, like five five senior defensive tackles, and so they're going to have to make a play somehow to uh, to get some of these guys um, in, instant impact type type players. And you and you have guys that they like in Elijah Chapman, Shabazz Dotson, 
uh, Darren Brown, guys like that in the pipeline already. So you could have them, uh, you know, have to step up as, you know, redshirt sophomores um, in Brown and, and Dotson's case when, when these guys are gone. But Sawyer Gorman Welch is right at the top of the list for SMU. Really a, a must land for them. They're battling some power fives there. They're in there. They're in it. Um, but they really need to get him on board um, and, and, and um, you know, close on him now that his official visit is kind of worn off and things like that. As far as um, corner, that one is, a, to be honest, it, it's just been a total, total mystery. And, and we've kind of posted that on the board. It's just been really tough to get a, get a handle on kind of where things stand um, with them at that position. I think Canter Hooker out of Calvary Baptist in Treeport is somebody that, that they're in it for. Uh, Nate Floyd out of A&M Consolidated in College Station is somebody they're in it for. But other than that, they're just going to have to look to that junior college rank uh, to figure that one out. And, and you know, that that's just kind of how it goes um, in, in that case. So we'll, we'll see how the corner turns out. And then tight end, um, John Holcomb remains uncommitted. He's really the top target out of all those guys um, and somebody that would be a huge difference maker for them, I think, in just his ability to run. He's productive. Uh, he's got the frame to put on weight. And then they've got a couple guys that are more under the radar that they like as well as that second tight end spot with Dabney off the board now. So that's kind of a what's next in terms of the biggest positions of need. Um, and even though the corner, I just, we're just, they're just, they just don't have that many great targets on the board right now. And, and they'll merge this fall. You know, corner is a position where it just always seems. Uh, to emerge as you know, targets and and guys that have uh, come out of nowhere and have productive senior years, and um, you know, just just have spent the summer grinding and, and end up being FBS prospects. So um, we'll kind of keep an eye on that position and see where they go at wide receiver uh, in terms of positions that aren't necessarily as big of need. They've had Loic Fongi on campus for for an official visit. They've had. Um, Jay Wilkerson on campus for an official visit, and um, and they had Miles Price, who's now back up out there on the board um, on campus for an official visit. Can they somehow circle him back to wanting to play at SMU? Um, we'll have to see. Uh, they've also hosted some other guys for unofficial visits. Uh, Beaumont Westbrook, wide receiver Thad Johnson, has been on campus for an unofficial visit, and then also they've had Jalen Paxson out of. Um, Manville on campus for an unofficial visit. He's somebody that they like a lot. So they've got a lot of guys kind of lurking around. A lot of the, I mean, not really a lot of them, uh, but but guys like Savion Williams committed to Arkansas in the spring. Um, and then other than that, I mean, they really, uh, their top targets, I would say, are still out there for the most part. And, and it's a class where I don't think they necessarily need to sign any more than probably two wide receivers. So they can get two really good ones in uh, Loic Fungi and, and um, Jay Wilkerson um, would be just awesome, or, or you know, even Thad, Thad Johnson would be a beast. So we'll kind of see where things stand with them at wide receiver, um, and then uh, you know, from there, um, you know, inside linebacker, they're they're playing it patient. They really, really like the um, inside linebacker that's teammates with Mason Chambers, who's a safety target still for SMU. Uh, Derek Lewis and I actually just looked up his testing numbers and they're off the charts. Uh, one of the best testers at the Houston uh, opening 
the Nike camp down there. So he's somebody that's still out there and certainly uh, more more than worthy of, of a push for. So that kind of wraps up kind of some of the next step type stuff that I wanted to cover on the podcast. Um, and, and really, I just want to wrap up with, um, you know, look, I mean, SME basketball waiting on probably, you know, two things. I, I think uh, there will be some staff turnover. Um, it'll come next month, I think, in an official version. Um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll kind of see where, where things stand and where they go and, and things like that in terms of changes. Um, but really can't share anything on that. Um, and then, um, uh, Kendrick Davis, uh, might not be the only TCU transfer SMU ads. Jalen Fisher has been really hinting at it on uh, Twitter that, that he could be joining him. SMU has to figure out its basketball scholarship number situation. Uh, I'm told everybody is on campus still, um, in terms of the, the scholarship players or everyone's still on the roster. Um, so we'll see kind of how it all plays out. But um, Jalen Fisher, certainly on the radar for SMU, we'll kind of see uh, what he ends up doing at the end of this month when he graduates from TCU. So I shared a lot of uh, thoughts on, on UConn uh, leaving the AAC in the podcast earlier this week. But I do just want to say I think the likely response now that the dust has kind of settled for the AAC is to just not replace them unless you're really talking about a team that can bring something from a monetary standpoint. Um, you know, BYU is mentioned. I don't think they're going to leave um, the the independent status that they have. But um, you know, I, I I do think that that it would have to be a team that or a a, a school that um, really um, can move the needle and. Uh, and, and just bring something more to the table than, than UConn really ever did. Um, so we'll, we'll just have to see kind of how they play it. But, it, you know, the commissioner uh, did the waiver to allow them to play a conference title with, with only 11 teams. And, and so we'll see how that goes with the NCAA. But I don't think there's any need for them to be replaced. I don't think they brought anything more to the table table really. Um, and they've just been trending down. So, I mean, you know what, split up the money a little bit better and pick up a few extra hundred thousand, uh, in revenue. So, um, with that guys, uh, I think that does it for the pony stampede podcast. Do want to add in, uh, one question I missed Jay call still no word on him just yet from the NCAA, which is incredible. Um, but we'll kind of see where, where things go. There's still a lot of confidence from everybody I talked to that he would get approved. I mean, he, he missed like two whole seasons or something like that. So uh, he should get his sixth year. Anyway, that wraps it up for this week. Hope you guys have a great weekend. And um, thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast.